Hi, and welcome to Pentecost Today podcast. I'm your co-host, Steve Mancini, and as always, I'm joined by the Executive Director of Pentecost Today USA, Alicia Hardo. Alicia, welcome. Thank you so much, Steve. You know, we are so excited to be joined by listeners from all across the nation, all around the world. And, you know, last week I was actually at a, a number of meetings. One was the Charismatic and Pentecostal Churches of North America. The second was the Charismatic Leaders Fellowship. And then the third was the North American Network of Covenant Communities. And, you know, today we are very, very humbled to have with us Father John Gordon, who has done an extraordinary work in building unity in the body of Christ, including ecumenical unity. And so he actually was part of some of the graces of our organization helping to found the Charismatic Leaders Fellowship. So just one of those meetings that I attended last week that all were so spirit-filled, so glorious, and such precious moments for us to really build unity in the body of Christ. So we we want to introduce to you all, if you do not know Father John Gordon, you need to get to know him. He's joining us from Union, New Jersey. He's a priest of the Archdiocese of Newark for almost 34 years, and he has been primarily in parish ministry, but currently serves as the Secretary for Evangelization. Father John Gordon is formerly chair of the National Service Committee of the Catholic Charismatic Renewal of the U.S., which is now called Pentecost Day USA. And so, Father John, welcome. We are humbled to have you with us. Uh, Thank you, Alicia. I'm very humbled to be here. Uh, Just to correct if anybody's listening who remembers these older days, I was never the chairman of the National Service Committee. They wouldn't uh, and trust me with that level of grace. <laughs> but I did serve two terms. I was at six years in the National Service Committee, which are tremendous graces from 2002 to 2008. And uh, I'm just very glad to be with you. I am so blessed to have experienced the grace of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and to see the charismatic renewal as a singular grace for the church in our day. And if anything, the more we kind of grow, the more we kind of move into this millennia, into this time, all the more do I realize that the grace that was poured out at that Duquesne weekend is for a time such as this. Mm. Oh, that's wonderful. And, you know, Father, before we kind of take a deep dive, you know, Alicia, you and I always, we want to do everything we do in service of the Lord. And, and Father, I think you, I think everybody would agree to this. The whole, the whole point isn't to keep this within ourselves. It is to spread it out. And as always, we always ask for the blessings of the Lord. So how about we start with a simple prayer? And uh, I think we're going to do something a little different since we're changing the order. I'll, I'll do this week's prayer if you're all right. So I, I ask everyone to, you know, all your listeners, you're obviously we're two or more are gathered in the name of Jesus Christ. He is there with us. So we pray that you're listening to this and that you two are praying with us. So let us begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Dear Lord Jesus Christ, as always, we ask that everything we do is about honoring you and blessing you. You provide us the Spirit, and and we are merely the instruments of your love and your grace. So we pray in your name that everything we do honors you, that all of the words that come from our mouth honor you, that every action that we take honors you, that something as benign and simple as a podcast is a way to spread the message to honor you, that we give our lives for you, to you, because ultimately our human bodies are a mere grain in the sea of time, but we ask that you would honor our work and bless our work and that everything we do is a way to get out there and reach people 
all over the world and bring them closer to you, to bring people back onto the right path. Use us as an instrument. Let us be your light here on earth. In Jesus' name we pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Glory to God in the highest. Amen. Thank you, Steve. Thank, Thank you. you. Uh, it's, it's weird leading a prayer off in front of a priest. But, uh, you know, we, hey. We, we will ask for your blessing at the end of the episode. That's right. You, you're not off the hook yet, Father. Yeah. We were all baptized as priest, prophet, and king to share in the life of Jesus. So go for it, Steve. Go for it. No, I appreciate that. You know what? It's funny because it's one of those things, you know, and, I, and Alicia, you know, you and I have talked about this. I think a lot of people look for the, the lightning bolt. Ah, I'm saved and off I go. And they don't realize it is transforming your life. Mm. Every day that you surrender to God is a new day. Just as I surrender today to God this morning when I woke up, it is very simple to tomorrow, I could completely screw up and go off track. But I have to hurry up and get back on track. So every day we have to remember that it is a new day to either do right or to do wrong. But that's the free will that we're given. That is ultimately the gift from God for us to choose that. Mm -hmm. And you know, Steve, I think it's beautiful to see how the Holy Spirit moves us from that kind of trying to do right and trying in and of ourselves, almost apart from the Lord oftentimes, though we might know him, though we might love him, and the Spirit moves us from a place of kind of fear, hiding, and trying to do what's right for right's sake, and, and moving out of our own strength to really moving in the strength of the Spirit and really moving in power and love, like the apostles, just being moved from fear and hiding to going out as missionaries and martyrs. And so we want to open up, we, we open every episode with a quote from the Doctrinal Commission on Baptism in the Holy Spirit. You know, our, our mission is to bring baptism in the Holy Spirit to the whole church. And sometimes people haven't heard of that grace. So if you are looking for a resource. This book is fantastic. Today we are we're just looking at one of the characteristics of baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's on page 25, and we're looking at this this grace of among the evident fruits of baptism in the Holy Spirit is a zeal to evangelize, to proclaim the good news of salvation with apostolic boldness. People transformed by the Spirit become living witnesses able to speak of Christ from personal experience and from an existential understanding of the word of God. There is both a new desire to spread the gospel and a new clarity as to its contents. The renewal has given rise to many schools of evangelization and programs in which people learn to share the gospel and exercise charisms as gifts for the growth of the kingdom of God. So it was a little longer a quote today, but I think very fitting for uh, Father John Gordon for you to really uh, kind of speak to some of what is being unpacked in that quote. So we just welcome you to share your thoughts on sure. what what the commission is is bringing forth in that quote. Well, I think that's one of the evident examples of Pentecost itself. You know, when the Holy Spirit fell on the disciples and Mary in the upper room. And uh, people heard it. They were they were amazed by it. They were speaking, and people understood what they were saying. 
and then Peter begins to preach, he doesn't say, oh, just, just look at us, folks, see, we're having a good time here. He shares the gospel with them. And so compelling was his sharing of the gospel that 3,000 were baptized that day. You know, it was just an amazing fruit of that outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus told them that this would happen, you know, at the ascension, you know, go into the uh, world, tell the whole world, teach them everything I've taught you, baptize them, make them disciples. I will be with you always. And so I think it is one of the evident fruits. Uh, Pope uh, St. Paul VI, in his apostolic exhortation on evangelization in 1975, I think that was, which is just a, a landmark document. And as far as I'm concerned, it's the best summary of Vatican II. I think he quotes all 16 Vatican II documents. But one of the things he says is, it is unthinkable that someone can have heard the gospel, given their life to Jesus as Lord and Savior, receive the Holy Spirit, and not tell others. It's unthinkable that that could happen. So I invite our listeners, if you want to know, like, have I really received this grace? Is this grace of the Spirit alive in me? What's my desire to tell other people about it? And I'm not saying you have to change your personality, but in your own way, that you live the gospel in such a way that you're unafraid, you're not ashamed, and you're eager to share it in some way, shape, or form. I think I think that, that Dr. Commission has it right. That is an evident fruit Indeed, I would say that it's a necessary fruit. Father, let me ask you a question. And we're going to, don't worry, we're going to jump into your background here in a second, because I think that's very important. But I want to touch on something you said. Do you think that there is a disconnect between the, the, what I'll call the lay of the Catholic Church and the belief that they're supposed to be going out and preaching versus, hey, that's the job of the priest? Do you think, there's, do you think that is a message that is not, you know, given to the lay that, hey, by the way, you're supposed to go out there and do this too. I think the people that go to church regularly, I think the people that go to Mass every Sunday, I think the people that pray uh, most days of the week, I think they get it. I do think they get it. They've heard this kind of talk. It doesn't mean they're comfortable with it. It doesn't mean they're acting on it, but they've heard it before. The people who occasionally come, who rarely come, who claim to be Catholic, even though the last time they were there was their baptism, their confirmation, or their wedding, or whatever it might be, I suspect they don't get it. And even today, sometimes I'll uh, be invited to come to talk to a parish about evangelization, and the people say, well, what program do we need to run to get people to come back to the church? I said, there is no program. You have to be alive in the faith yourself. The people who are in the pews, the people who are in the congregation, need to be alive on fire for God. And when that happens, that fire becomes noticeable and people will naturally gravitate and want to be there. So I think that some people get it, some people do not. I think the challenge is, I'm not so worried that the, whether the lay people get it or not. I think my brother priests, those of us in pastoral care, need to get it more and more so that we equip the people to do this. We don't just kind of say, okay, you should be doing this. How? They don't know how. They need to be formed. They need to be sustained. They need to be encouraged. We need to shepherd them and feed them and evangelize them so they're going to become carriers of the fire, as it were. So I think that there's a role for everybody in this great task of evangelization, which is the very reason for the Church's existence, as Pope St. Paul VI told us. Well, the irony is, is, you know, when I went and got my doctorate, I went to a Christian school, not a Catholic school. And that was the first time that I'd ever heard the, the, the phrase, the Great Commission. And I said, what is the Great Commission? I had to go look it up. And it's literally one of the last things Jesus says to them. I went to Catholic school my whole life. And I'm telling you right now, that is not a common phrase. And I'm a practicing Catholic. I go to, you know, the charismatic movement is something that's new to me in the last, you know, year, year and a half. But I do practice my faith. You know, I I grew up in Catholic schools, but I'd never heard that term. And I think that term 
essentially puts it in perspective that the last words of Jesus, I don't, again, this is where I wonder if there's a, there's a misunderstanding. Was he talking to just the 12 people or was he talking to everybody? I, I, I still think that it is not something, again, it's my opinion, but I think it is not something that is truly emphasized at church is, by the way, his great commission is for all of us, not just the priest and the consecrated. I agree, and I think that we need to say those kinds of things in ways that people, in kind of bite-sized chunks, mm. that the people can hear and digest and say, yes, I'm into that. If we tell people, your task is to share the gospel with all the nations, to bring people to salvation in Jesus Christ, to be part of the Great Commission, I think people are going to say, that's not what I signed up for. You know, Even though it is, they might think, I'm not doing all that. But if we tell them, hey, just in your own way, you know, how do you share the gospel? How are you unafraid? You know, uh, for example, um, people will often comment how they are a little bit mocked and made fun of in the work environments. People tease them and all that kind of deal. Not not terrible, but it's just a little tease. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, look, so someone's walk to the room. Let's watch our language, folks, and all that kind of teasing. But the people who do that, they're the same people that go up to that person later on, like at 5 o'clock at the end of the workday, and say, could you pray for my mother? Could you pray for my kid? Could you pray for my uncle or aunt? Mm-hmm. They're the ones that realize this person has something. And so if we are just very simply living our life well, and sharing the gospel by just the very way we live our lives. One of the things I I say, I I use this as a a comparison, for example. Let's say that a man goes to work every day for 10, 20, 30 years, whatever, he goes to work every day. And one day the wife finds out that his coworkers have no idea that he's married. He never speaks of his spouse. He doesn't have any pictures of her at work. He never talks about her, all those kinds of things. Now, there's no infidelity. There's no cheating. He just never, ever speaks of his wife. I think she's not happy that people don't know he's married. Does anybody besides our church friends, our prayer group friends, know how important Jesus is to us? Now, I'm not saying we have to stand on the street corner and say, Jesus is Lord, but we need to live our lives in such a way that they are different than the culture of death that we are so immersed in. You know, Father John, it's it's beautiful that you share that. And I think, you know, it's the Holy Spirit's always inviting us out of our comfort zone, you know. <laughs> so whether it's with family, friends, neighbors, coworkers, right. there's always that invitation to share when we don't necessarily feel comfortable or Jesus presenting himself through the least of these, through someone right. who appears to be lonely or thirsting and hungry whether it's physically or spiritually so yeah you know i think there's there's a beautiful grace that the lord has poured out especially um, through people coming into the work of the holy spirit in prayer groups being poured out a lot of many many people i often ask hey how did you how did you receive this grace of baptism in the holy spirit and they they often share it was a co-worker it was a neighbor yeah it was my sister, you know, it was my mother, it was my child, you know, it's that those relationships, the spirit works and moves through relationships. So it's beautiful that you share that with us. We would, so I know you, you have an extraordinary life of ministry that the Lord has brought you into, but we would love to hear just how, where did you grow up? Some of your, your background. So if you can share with us how the Lord formed you in your childhood and early years. So dear friends, I grew up in a town called Glen Cove on Long Island in New York. My sister still lives there. Um, So I grew up there 
and uh, a Catholic family, went to Catholic schools all my life, except for kindergarten, grammar school, high school, college, and seminary were all Catholic schools. Went to Mass every Sunday without fail. We prayed grace before every meal. We said prayers before we went to bed. But that was about it. There wasn't much more than that. And then in the late 60s, early 70s, I went to high school. I went to Fordham Prep in the Bronx. And I kind of got radicalized and politicized about the faith. It was on a college campus. It was a very heady time. And it was all about the right protest march and the right issue of social justice. And I kind of got all turned on to that aspect of the faith. And then what happened is I was, uh, had finished high school, was uh, not kind of ready for college yet, but I was active in the parish. I was active in a justice and peace group in the parish and I actually started going to a Bible study. So one day there was an announcement in the parish bulletin that there was a prayer meeting in the parish. And I'm like, I didn't know this. All the hubris of a 19 year old, you know, this was happening. I didn't know this. I had to find out what this is about because I thought I knew everything in the parish, so to speak. So I went to this prayer meeting. I'll never forget it. It was Friday, August 15th, 1975, almost, almost 50 years ago. Anyway, there was a bunch of old ladies sitting in a circle. They're younger than I am now. But in the 19, they were, they were my mother's peers. And so they were old as far as I was concerned. And we started to pray. I was blown away. I never heard people pray like that. I never heard people pray like they knew there was somebody listening. And they did everything. They prayed in tongues. They prayed over somebody. There was prophecy. There was tears. All this wild stuff. And you know what was weird? That I didn't think it was weird. And I should have. Something was alive in me that said, this is right. And the way I describe it now is it awakened in me a hunger I did not know I had. I wasn't looking for anything. I was curious about what this was about. I went to that prayer meeting, and I look at that date as my experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They did pray over me a couple of months later, but they just I just knew that this was truth, and this was life, and, and I just couldn't get enough. I could not get enough of, of the high that I was experiencing in the Holy Spirit, but I couldn't get enough of the Scriptures coming alive and prayer being a grace. And the other thing that I experienced, albeit only temporarily, but I experienced a tremendous grace uh, against temptation and sin. Uh, the truth of the matter is I didn't have much temptation. That was the, that was just, that was a great gift. Eventually temptations come back and my, I need to struggle and resist uh, more manfully. But there was a period of time which God graced me with the realization, this is how I'm supposed to live. This kind of purity, this kind of freedom, this kind of holiness. And it just grew and grew and grew in me. So that was August. Well, in October, we had a, uh, a big conference in Atlantic City. And uh, there was a big Eastern Regional Conference. And I went uh, with these prayer group ladies. And I was blown away. There were 16,000 people there from all over the place. And young men, young people, and men and women. And it was like, oh, my gosh, this is much bigger than this little prayer meeting in the, in the, in the cafeteria at St. Pat's. So I just got caught up in the grace of this, the beauty of this, the joy of this, and I just could not get enough. And so all my life became oriented to, like, like Jesus became the center of my life, not just something peripheral. I went back to college. I finished school. I just realized I need to do something with my life. And I think that's when I first started to think very seriously about the priesthood. I really thought very seriously that I think this is what I need to do. I want to do something big with my life. And along the way, different things kind of detoured me and different things happened along the way. And eventually I ended up living in the Bronx, uh, being part of a large prayer group at Fordham in those days. 
And then I was kind of like moving on from there. And I ended up moving to New Jersey and joining the People of Hope, a, a charismatic covenant community. Because they were offering me something that nobody else was offering me as a young man. I was in my, my early to mid-20s, and they were offering me formation. And I said, I need that. I need that. And I came to realize that the desire for priesthood was really a desire to live fully for God. But I had no idea how to translate that in my mind. So we all are called to live fully for God. And so I began to experience. And, and the other thing, I have to confess, that one of the attractions about the priesthood was that it was not family life. My parents were divorced. My father was an alcoholic. Family life was not attractive to me. That's a terrible reason to be a priest, a terrible reason to be a priest. So God did a great work of healing in me in those first two years in the community where I experienced healing in terms of my own manhood, in terms of what it means to live fully for God, confidence in my heavenly father. And so when I continued to pray about where I live my life, I heard God say very clearly, John, I want you to be my priest. And what struck me was my own response. I said, Lord, you still want me? You still want me? And I was just so overcome with gratitude that he would call me to belong to him in this way. And so I ended up uh, going to seminary and uh, just, just loving the life that I have. I am a priest now, actually 35 years. It was 35 years in December. And uh, as I say, most of it was in parish life. I'm currently the secretary for evangelization. I was a high school chaplain for four years. I directed a program of discernment and formation at Franciscan University of Steubenville for four years. I'm still a member of the People of Hope community. I just love sharing the Lord. I just love helping people come to know Jesus. I just love helping people uh, meet him, encounter him, make a decision for him, and grow in that life. So by God's grace, in addition to whatever I do as a priest, I have I, I meet with a whole bunch of people for spiritual direction. I, I uh, am part of a men's group in the community. All the ways in which God gives us so many tools to realize that we're not alone, that his grace is given to us. He's not given us a blueprint, but he's given us the Holy Spirit. I need to have that encounter with grace every single day. How do I help people encounter grace like this? I'm just so, so so happy about the life that I have and to share it once again with this level of service in terms of the, the, the national charismatic renewal just thrills me beyond belief, thrills me because I know that the baptism of the Holy Spirit was a singular grace that God used in my life to bring me to him. And I know God uses many other tools as well, but I believe that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is not the possession of the charismatic renewal. It's the gift, it's a gift of grace for the whole church. The charismatic renewal has given us a particular way of responding to this grace that makes it all the more powerful and alive. But we have people baptized in the Holy Spirit. Every time you pray, come Holy Spirit, do you think Jesus answers that prayer? You know, some prayers, admittedly, Jesus doesn't answer positively. It's unthinkable that someone could say, pray, come say, come Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, no, that's unthinkable. So he's pouring out the Holy Spirit again and again and again. And I just so desire that God's people could come to know this, like the people who heard Peter preach on the first Pentecost day. They, they were cut to their heart. What must we do? How do I live in such a way that people say, I want what you have? Now, now Father John, let me ask you a question, because not every priest that chooses, you know, early on when they make that discernment, and they say, you know what, I think God's calling me to be a priest, has that experience, that, that baptism in the Holy Spirit type of experience. And obviously... I can't, I can't say this with any, you know, certainty. Maybe they don't necessarily feel the same 
charismatic gifts that, that others do. I mean, everybody's different. But having gone through the experiences that you went through, how has that specifically you know, impacted your approach to your ministry? And do you think that is different than how other priests who may not have had quite that, I don't want to, again, I don't want to say aha moment, but have had that quote, baptism in the spirit. Do you think the impact is different? Like, can you see something different? Actually, I can, Steve. I really think I can. For example, like I, I come with a certain conviction of expecting God to break in. I expect God to break into conversation, to break into prayer, to break into the, the ministry. I, I have a, a, a reliance on the Lord as opposed to myself. So there are many things that I do that I realize I'm not really ready for this. I'm not prepared for this. And God just blesses it abundantly, not because uh, because he loves the people that I'm serving, I think. So I, I do believe that I, I experience and uh, anticipate a greater reliance on the Lord uh, and less on the self. I remember I was in one uh, situation in the parish where we were celebrating the parish's 100th anniversary. And every event that we had, especially the outdoor events, was pouring rain, pouring, pouring, pouring rain. I'll never forget it. And the pastor was so frustrated about it. And I finally said, and of course, this was not a nice thing for me to say, so I need to repent of this and not boast of this. But the thing I said is, do we ever ask God how he wanted us to celebrate the 100th anniversary of the parish? Mm. And I think that's an important thing that we do. I remember one Sunday, I, Easter, one Easter, I had the Easter Vigil Mass. And it was glorious. I was just, uh, there was just fire in the room. And uh, preaching was great. I was just, I just was so exhilarated. So I also had the early mass on Easter day. That's not a crowd that wants a big deal. In and out if they can help it, preferably no music. And I said to myself, these people deserve the best I could do. I'm not going to dumb down my preaching or the, uh, the joy and the exuberance of this liturgy just because it's, not, it's, it's, it's 8 o'clock in the morning rather than the vigil of the night before. And so I start to do this. It was crash and burn. It was horrible. It was just devastating. I couldn't stop. I didn't know how to stop it. And later on that day, I prayed. I said, Lord, what happened? Didn't the people deserve the best? I mean, what I did Saturday night, the vigil, was the best. It was the best I could do, and God really anointed it and blessed it. Why did the people on Sunday deserve the same level? And the Lord told me very clearly, John, he said, you asked the wrong question. The question that you asked was, what could I do, Lord? The question you should have asked is, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? Mm. How do you want me to minister? Mm. I tell you, I never thought of that before. That's all I think about now. Father John, that's so beautiful. It's it's awesome to hear you you just sharing with us, gifting to us your experience of life in the Spirit, especially as a priest. It's so precious to see how the Lord is working and moving and guiding you in everyday situations for you as a priest. <laughs> Even the offering of yourself to the Lord and 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 the Spirit teaching you. It's just so sweet to receive that, to hear that. Father John, I know we're going to have you back for part two for a second episode, and we're very humbled and excited for that. But as we conclude this first episode, we really want to ask if, if you would lead all who are joining this episode, all who are with us from across the nation, from around the world, in praying for clergy. Um, there's there's mm. a, a beautiful grace that all of us are being called into, whether clergy, religious, lay faithful, and it's for everyone. But I think just in, in the grace of your witness and your testimony and really your mm -hmm. humility and receptivity, it would be tremendous 
for you to lead us and for all of us to join you in interceding for our clergy. So we'll, we'll, I'd be honored to do that. Yeah, thank you. One, one thought about, about the clergy, you know, by our saying that the, the Latin Rite priests, uh, the Roman Rite priests, need to be celibate, we're saying that we're looking for priests who are already filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit, because we look at that as a charism. Mm. And so we're looking for charismatic guys, so to speak. And I think that, um, you know, when they uh, were laid, when hands were laid on them, similar to uh, Peter, that's a Paul, when they say to Timothy, you know, um, defend it to flame the gift that you have received. I want to encourage the people to encourage their priests to, uh, about the gift of the Holy Spirit that they have already received. Do not suggest they have not received the Holy Spirit. And, and just by the, our witness and our love for them. So let us pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, to be endless honor, glory, praise, and majesty. Lord God, your word tells us that you are enthroned on the praises of your people. So we want to praise you, Lord God. We want to delight in you and rejoice in you and share good news and share this gracious life that you have given to us. And Lord, in your great plan, in your great plan for the salvation of your people, you have ordained it so that men should be raised up as priests to offer sacrifice, to proclaim the gospel, to stand as witness, to, to sanctify, to preach, and to govern. We pray, Lord our God, for the brothers who are in the vineyard, that you might guard them and protect them, that you might guard them from the attack of the enemy who does not want them to be faithful to their vocation, that you enjoin them to be all the more faithful and desirous of doing great things for you, Lord God. We pray for those in formation. We pray, Lord God, that you would encourage them and strengthen them, that they would keep their eyes on the prize, and they would hear your call to them, Lord God. They know that that is where they are going because you have called them. It wasn't their decision, but you have called them, Lord our God. And for the brothers, Lord God, who may be in some difficulty or challenge or not sure about where they belong or where they are, Lord God, just console them. Be present to them. We ask Our Lady Queen of Clergy to intercede for the sons of hers who are priests. We pray that through the intercession of St. Joseph, we would be a, a, a holy, a pure priesthood. And we pray in thanksgiving, Lord our God, for all those priests that we've had in our lives, the priests who baptized us, the priests who shared the gospel with us, the priests who forgives us our sins. We pray, Lord God, that thanksgiving for all these men, that they might be uh, more on fire for you, more in love with you. So we ask your blessing upon us, their sons and daughters. We ask the blessing upon our elder brothers, the priests. And we ask this, all this, we ask this blessing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Father John, it is such a joy for, for us, for our listeners, to spend some time with you. It is so precious to even hear the joy of the Lord as you speak and as you testify. And so... As, as we conclude today's episode, we just want to thank you for sharing that joy. We're so humbled by the grace of having you as a board member of Pentecost Today USA and for all the ways the Lord will use you really to serve the grace of the work of the Holy Spirit on a national level. So thank you for the mighty gift and grace of your precious time, your witness, and all of your work. Thank you, Alicia. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, dear listeners. Just uh, don't be afraid to beg for the more of the Holy Spirit. However much you think you have, there's always more. Mm. Again, thank you, Father John. We appreciate your time. And for our listeners, as always, we want to thank you for your time. We will have Father John back next week's episode. You know, as Leisha and I have talked, we want to keep these manageable time-wise. Otherwise, we could probably go on for hours. But to respect your time and the fact that you're taking time to listen to us, and we hope that we are bringing something to you that ultimately brings you closer to the Lord. 
So as always, we encourage you to go out to the website, PentecostTodayUSA.org. A lot of information out there. As you know, the nine-year novena is kicked off. Mm -hmm. Alicia, really quickly, do you want to mention that? Absolutely. So on the Feast of the Annunciation, there will be this beautiful grace of many, many, many different parishes, dioceses, prayer groups, covenant communities walking together to launch the communications of the nine-year novena. So really bringing that to their family, their co-workers, whoever the Lord places on on their heart to share the nine-year novena with. And it could be a group, it could be an individual. That will kick off on the Feast of the Annunciation. And then at the Pentecost Vigil, we will spend time at the Ark and the Dove and we'll actually live stream from the Ark and the Dove out nationally, internationally, really entering into that vigil mass to kick off the nine-year novena. So we're really gearing up. We're really excited for the launch of the nine-year novena and excited to see what the Holy Spirit will do through that. Fantastic. And again, if you want more information, please go out to PentecostTodayUSA.org. And once again, we want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to us. And hopefully we've just helped you get on that right path if you're not already on it. Chances are, you're, if you're listening to us, you're probably already focused on God. So God bless you. See you next week, and thank you again.